first of all, I want to introduce everybody to Haley. Haley, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you. My name is Jim Hernandez, Alcoholic in Recovery. This is eventually going to be on my podcast, Raw, Real, and a Lot of Recovery. Uh, we decided to go live right now because I did a poll on my IG and everybody voted over 100 votes. And it went for IG live over just straight to the podcast. So, yeah. Haley, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Haley, a.k.a. Recovery Baddie. Um, I signed in from my other account because I'm a crazy lady. Um, and I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm 34. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and addict, and I'm just really excited to be here. I love Jim, love this community, and yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode. I got a lot of shit for you. Oh, yeah. First and foremost, me and Haley know one another. We're comfortable chatting. We might talk some shit. We might say some vulgarity. Everything's in funny games. If you get offended easily or, you know, things make you uncomfortable. Not for the faint of um, Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you should check my next episode, but uh, we still love you. But, uh, <laughs> Haley. Yes. Man, we got some good people on here right now. Listen, I'm, I'm honored. You guys can be anywhere you want right now, but you're right here with us. Um, I am... I wanted this to be on my podcast, first of all, because I just started a new podcast, and I want to try to get as many people over there as possible, so if you're listening to this, if you watch the live, when this goes to my podcast, please at least go and give it a little view so I get the numbers up, but um, Haley, first of all, you're a smart woman, so you're dealing with a dumb, old addict in recovery here, you're smart, so I'm going to have to set one rule on you. And that is, you cannot use words that are over three syllables, okay? You can't be using big words I will on my ass. You gotta, you gotta dumb yourself down for me. I'm gonna dumb it down a couple shades. All right, check, check, check. I can do that. I can do that. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm not hearing myself right now. Can you hear me? No. I can hear you through the device, but I can't hear you through the headphones, which I think... Okay. We're just gonna cut the headphones off. I'm gonna cut uh, Anchor. You this sure? is not going to work, so we're just going to go through the device then. Okay. I'm trying to do this through my podcast, but this ain't going to happen, so. You there? Yeah, I'm here. What, what, somebody said, what's a syllable? My kind of person right there, that's what I'm talking about. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I don't know, I don't know, but hey, you got your beverage ready? What kind of beverage you yeah, drinking? I do, because I'm spilling all the no? All right. All right. Hey, we're going to get some stuff right now. Um, first of all, I put an awesome picture of us up on the uh, on my uh, my story. You know, my shoulder, are you the good angel or are you the devil? Like, what is no, it? I'm definitely the devil that's talking mad shit in your ear. Like, I'm not talking about <laughs> stuff, but I'm just talking mad shit to you. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. If you did anything different, I wouldn't even know who you are. So it's good. Gotta keep that easy. Hey, what's the show today? You're my second guest. What'd you say? No, go ahead. Go. Oh, my sober date is August twenty eighth of twenty twenty. Nice. Yeah. So you got four, almost five months. Yes, almost five months. Yep. Yep. Nice. Good baby, you got sober in twenty twenty. You know you're a fucking miracle, right? I did, yeah. I uh, brought my ass to rehab during the pandemic. Damn. You guys know I'm in L.A., so I got to rock my L.A. hat, first of all. Woo. Um, 
My company's name is Valor Fitness Clothing, so this is obviously a, a little hub to them, Silver AF gear. But um, so, Kaylee, when I was in early recovery, uh, I got sober in a, in, a, in a rehab facility. But in my first couple months, I felt what they call the pink cloud. Have you ever heard anybody call that, refer to that, or you, have you felt that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been on, I was on a pink cloud for like a minute. And, um, yeah, I still get them every now and then. And then I get brought right back down to earth, like, real fucking quick. So, yeah, I definitely know what that is. Um, but I just got to tell me what you're, tell me, tell me what it was to you. Tell me, like, when you, when you, you're, you're in the pink cloud moment, like, describe that. So my first pink cloud was when uh, everyone was transitioning from our rehab house. All of my girls, oh my God, they're my family, my tribe, my rider dies. We were all like, yeah, we feel good. We know what our problem is. Alcohol isn't the problem. It's the, it's the symptom. Like we're all feeling great about being sober and going on home and whether we're going to the next step at IOP or if we're just going to take everything like and just go back to life on life's terms. And, uh, yeah, uh, my pink cloud was bursting with me just having all the answers straight out of rehab. Like, I'm going to be fine. And as soon as I got home and I was out of my little bubble, I was like, fuck. Like, what do I do now? Like, I don't know what to do with myself. So my pink clouds don't last for long. Damn. They come they come down real quick. <laughs> Man, we got some badass people coming in here and joining, but then they're also leaving. So you're in here. Stick around. What the hell are you leaving for? Uh, who are you? No, the, I, you know, I love, I, I talk to people when I talk about recovery. I, that's one of them. I, I love asking them that question. Like, do you, do you, have you ever heard of somebody referring to something as a pink cloud? And do you think, hey, Jam, do you think you, uh, you went through it? It shocks me how many people have never heard of, of it that are in recovery. For me, it was like the most euphoric thing. It lasted like three months. I was in rehab in Venice Beach, a uh, transitional facility. And the closest thing, it was just such a good, for me, it was an internal feeling. It was like, trigger warning. For me, the closest thing I could explain it to was like, if you're on ecstasy, my body just tingled. I would just like rub myself. I was just like, this is great. Like, this is free. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I just, I loved it. It was, it was a euphoric feeling for me. And it lasted like, man, like two months until it just stopped. But I didn't want it to stop. I was just like laying there and like, oh, like, you know, lotion. Yours was, it was way crazy. better than mine, dude. I want your pink clouds because mine was not that damn good. Man, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And, you know, reality kicks in. But, you know, uh, yeah. it, it, it's still life is so much better. So, yeah. Um, uh, we're not, I, obviously, I'm not playing music here. Wait, everybody. Yes, Adana. If we were playing a theme song for you right now, what would it be and why? If we had Haley's background beats bumping. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, God. Okay, if it was my theme song. Oh. Um, oh, my God. This is so hard. Um, You're fired. Curtis Mine's Hall of Fame by the script. Curtis Mayfield. What? Curtis Mayfield, move on up. Sing it. You know you gotta sing it now, girl. I'm moving it. on up. It's like Kanye West did the um did the did the sample. Do you want me to play it? Uh no, we're good. Okay. I can't like sing <laughs> Curtis Mayfield. He's very like Curtis Mayfield. You just said moving on up. That's the Jeffersons. Are you too young for the Jeffersons? No. We're you know when you're black Come on. When you're black, you watch all of the black shows your entire damn life. Like you're not too old for any of the Sanford and Son. 
Um, that, remember, that's a great thing you just brought up. What is your ethnic background? I think lots of people want to know. I asked you, so I know, but what is your ethnicity? Um, I'm half black and half white. I'm Italian American on my white side, and there's some other shit in there, and I'm uh, half black. I'm a little bit of everything. Got all the shit. Didn't you tell me you were Italian? Didn't you tell me you're a little Italian? I said Italian American on my white side. Are you not listening, Jim? What'd you say? I'm old as fuck. Give me a break. Italian American on the white side with a little bit of extra stuff in there, and then African American on this side. And then they came together. Respect your elders, damn it. Respect your elders. You are not great. Silver Fox. You know the uh you know, I'm on the West Coast, you're on the East Coast. We are on the West Coast, we uh we we notice East Coast people from a mile away. We have a huge stereotype for East Coast people. Uh, not necessarily saying it's bad, but on the East Coast, do you guys stereotype the West Coast also? Do we have like, uh, you know? Yeah, you guys are just like, yeah, bro, let's get a tasty wave, bro. Like, yeah, you guys are definitely stereotyped. I'm not saying I believe that stereotype, but it's funny that you bring that up because people ask me all the time if I'm from, like, no one can pinpoint where I'm from. People ask me if I'm from the West Coast all the time. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. My life's going to go in and out. It drives me nuts, but it is what it is. God's talking to me. God's talking to us because God loves us because we're miracles of recovery, damn it. But, um, yeah. you know, for uh, East Coast people, in my opinion, the, the stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Sometimes they're right. A lot of times they're right or whatever. Loud, somewhat obnoxious, very opinionated, uh, a little and then when you give them the own shit that they give you, they can't handle it. They all of a sudden, from being, after that, they're tough, loud, obnoxious, arrogant, and you feed them some of that shit back, all of a sudden they got, they catch feelings and get their butt, they get all butt hurt, and then, <laughs> and then they're all sensitive and shit. That's just, that's just how I see it. Only one of but. those things is true. Only one of those things. We are not loud and obnoxious. We are confident, and we got big dick energy. <laughs> And we do actually get butt hurt when you go too far. Like, we do get real. We do feel some type of way when you go too hard in on us. So I will agree with that. But everything else is bullshit. You know, I'm, I'm going to start a segment with all my guests. And I'm going to call it the Be Real segment. I'm going to fire off funny-ass questions for you. And uh, I'm not getting into that yet. But you just made a comment about the big dick syndrome. And one of my questions for you, and I... I if you had a dick, a penis, what's the first thing you would piss on? <laughs> a person. No. <laughs> I, do, I, I do want to pee on someone just to say I could do it. And I say that because when I was in the rehab and we were in the house, we, you know, we played this game when we were in the pool called Never Have I Ever. And one of the Never Have I Evers was have you ever, like, peed on someone like a golden shower and i thought nobody okay and if you had if you did the thing you had to dunk yourself under the water right like that was our like Whoa. never have i ever Whoa. everyone fucking dunked under the water except for me and one other girl and i just looked around like what the fuck like you guys are just around peeing on people and they're like well yeah i mean like if they're into it and i'm like i but you never pissed on somebody you've never I've got never in my, i did i did a live with alika I did a live with the leak and I came out and I was like, all right, you know, I was a fucking bedwetter. I would black out every night. I would piss the bed at least a couple times a week. I had to flip that damn mattress. 
my poor girlfriend at the time, I'm a side sleeper, so I would just be nailing her with streams of piss in my sleep, and she'd wake me up, just hit me and shit, and I'd be like, what? And I'm like drilling her with a stream, so I'm pissing myself, because whatever. I Does that count? I dated a pisser. I've been there. <laughs> I've never been a pisser, right. but I've dated a pisser. Is it weird? I, I don't know. Maybe I handle weird women, but like, and maybe this was just during active addiction, but like, you know, when a guy just like, you know, we could pee anywhere, and... I've heard, so many times girls write up, man, damn, I wish I had a penis so I could just piss on this or piss on that. That's not no, something like you talk about. Or? I always wish I had a dick. I wish I had a dick so I could feel what sex is like with me because I know I'm the shit. <laughs> and I also wish I had a dick so I could just pee anywhere I want. Like I want to pee in like an open meadow and like feel the wind on my shaft and like, yeah, maybe feel a little splash. Oh, one of your girls is on here. It says, I'm glad you never peed on me. Well, that, you should be because that shit is nasty. That's nasty. You're about to get a bunch of people looking at your profile, April. <laughs> All right, so, so I'm glad you had here. You know, we started off pretty funny. We started off really lighthearted. But I want to get in your story a little bit. No. Your story is pretty amazing for multiple reasons. You know, you're a, you're a double fucking rock star superhero. Uh um, I want, I talked to, I talked to you a little bit before we got in here and I was like, this is a topic I want to get in on, but I don't want you to talk about it right now. I don't want to hear anything about it. I want to hear it for the first time live when you're here with me. I have twins from, I donated semen from my two best friends to, to have uh, children, two, they're lesbians and they had, they had twins and now they're 13. One of them passed away about six or seven years ago from her second form of breast cancer. It came super aggressive. Um, the second one took her away. It was one of the most, I don't even want to get into watching somebody go through that. You are a cancer survivor. You are a cancer survivor. I want to know about that. You, I haven't, you haven't told me about it. I don't want, I, I haven't looked it up. I wanted to hear it for the first time right here, right now on this live. So I want to give you this forum. Um, so basically, uh, I, you know, I, I delivered my son and um, 11 days after I had him, I, I ended up losing a lot of blood when I was pregnant and or when I delivered my son. And, you know, they said your body may go through some changes. If you notice anything pop up, it's just like your body trying to recoup. And um, a giant mass on my neck, like right here, showed up. Um, and, you know, I went to the doctor and I didn't think it was anything. You know, I was all sleep deprived. My breasts were all engorged because I was breastfeeding at the time. And, um they rushed me right into an ultrasound, and two hours later, they told me I had stage two um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I had a mass here in my neck they took out that was, like, like a little bit smaller than a tennis ball. And then I had a mass in my lungs, and uh, they couldn't remove that, so I had to go under uh, chemotherapy. And, um, you know, it sucked really bad. Uh, <laughs> to, I don't know any, it just sucked so bad because all I wanted to do is be a mom. And like, now I had this thing that was kind of like, you know, standing in my way. And I just wanted to be like every other mom. And, um, you know, it was hard I, when I was sick and it, but I still did everything everyone else did. You know, I, I strapped my kid to my baby Bjorn and hit Costco with a bald ass head, you know, and, um, it was, you know, I struggled a lot with not being able to breastfeed my son, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but to a mom, it's like, you know, if you're going through chemo and you can't breastfeed your kid, you're like, you're kind of upset about it. And, you know, I, uh, 
I just wanted to get chemo over with. I wanted to get the six months. I didn't get a death sentence. I just wanted to get it over with and get back to being a regular fucking mom. And uh, that's what I did. And I pushed right past it. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Haley's a fucking gangsta. Like, she just went through chemo and cancer. And, like, she's fine. Because that's what I did. I kept it fucking moving. And I was just grateful it wasn't my son. But, um, you know, after I hit remission, I had a really difficult time coming to terms with, like, never knowing my identity and then the only identity that I did know was being a cancer survivor and I didn't fucking want that identity like I didn't ask for it I didn't want it um and I had a lot of issues um even calling myself a survivor I felt really guilty for gloating about being a survivor when I knew people that didn't uh survive so it was kind of a you know it was a complicated thing um but you know I'm, I'm here and uh, I'm grateful. My son's healthy. I'm healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, shit happens. You know, it really does. So your son's, your son's six now, right? He is. He is. So when you were going through this, were you drinking? Yeah. Yeah, I was. You know, I couldn't drink right before and right after chemo. But, yeah, I absolutely was, uh, was drinking. Um, absolutely, yeah. Couldn't breastfeed, so why not, Dude. right? <clears throat> <laughs> the things we tell ourselves, you know, the shit we tell ourselves to do. So I didn't ask this in the beginning. Your your drug alcohol of choice, what is it? Uh, I I liked my alcohol, but I also uh, I also ate ate. <laughs> I say that because I would eat them. Uh, I also took benzos and um, and Adderall. I love my benzos. I love my Xanax, uh, but alcohol is really what took a hold of me. Yeah. Wow. So your son's six. So you go through you go through chemo. You recover. I saw the picture of you with, without hair and your son in your lap. Most precious thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I said, I lost um, my twin's mom to, to cancer, and I watched it, and, and I know how they react. No, no. I know you know how it was for them in the time it happened, because they were about six when it was happening, and I know how it's affected them since. How are you, how are you feeling now? I uh, I don't even think my son's aware. Um, you know, I don't really talk about it. He doesn't really ask. I figure when he asks me, when he notices a picture and he says like, hey, why don't you have any hair? You know, I don't really um, initiate that kind of stuff. I kind of let him talk to me about things and ask those questions and probe. And then I, just like when he asked if I was an alcoholic, you know, I don't bring things to him. I wait till he picks up on it. He's old enough. He prompts me. So, um, it's not really anything that we discuss or, um, has come up, but when it does, I'm just going to tell him that he was very lucky. Um, you know, that mommy came out on the other side and that I couldn't be more grateful that I got the opportunity to raise him, you know? He's six. What's his name? His name is Knox. K-N-O-X. He's so fucking cute. Knox. He's the best. Yeah. Is he named after something? Is he named after... No, he's not. His name... No, his name is Knox River. So we didn't... We kind of... You know, we didn't name him. There's no, like, long line of uh, of story behind that. It was just something we thought sounded real dope, and it does. <laughs> you say we. You're talking about him and his dad. Is his dad still in the situation... In the scene at all? Is your dad still around? Do you guys still... His dad is around. Um, we are not together. Uh, it was a pretty tumultuous uh, relationship and breakup. Uh, but he is still in his life. He sees him every other weekend. Um, and, you know, he's... he. We weren't the best together, but he's a good dad. He's a great dad. He loves his son, and his son loves him, so... That's awesome. 
I feel for the people that are joining right now, man, they missed a pretty hot beginning. We started this shit off pretty dope. Yeah. You know, the people are joining right now, get into the, in the serious part, but you got to go back after I post this and watch this. The beginning was fire. Hello, Canada. The ending is still going to get it, but this woman has a story. You know, this woman's five months sober, so almost five months sober. Let's talk about your four, your first five months. Like, you know, your life is just fucking woo. Like, like you're, you're brand new. You're, you know, those of us that have, I, I don't have much more time than you, but I have a little bit. I can now, you know, whenever I, you know, I'm talking to you and I'm putting myself mentally back at five months and I'm, I'm putting myself back in the feelings, you know, what I thought, what I felt, what I did. I want to hear how five months has been for you. Five months has been super good to me, but it's also been like fucking rough. Like when I got home from treatment, you know, I went down to South Florida for rehab and I came home and I lost my job right after I came home and I was like, okay, all right, this is okay. I can deal with this. Like, I just tried to like, when I got home, I had to make some hard decisions. You know, I was in a relationship when I got home. I was in a relationship when I left. And when I came back, um, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing when I hit recovery. When I finally realized, like, I was an addict and an alcoholic. And I realized that I had to change, but I didn't know fucking how. All I had to do was take suggestions. I did everything they told me to do when they said go home and you have to be by yourself because not only are you an alcoholic and addict but you're definitely fucking codependent you definitely have codependency issues i came home and you know i had to make the hard decision and say like i have to be by myself to do this and i remember when you were talking to alika jim about how like you were terrified to interact with normies when you first got into recovery and like i related to that but on this level where it was like, I didn't know how to do anything like a normal person when I got home. And when I was, I'm like, you know, when I make my coffee in the morning and I make breakfast and like, I'm not popping Adderall and chasing it down with Cheetos and vodka in the morning. I'm like, oh, this is what normal people do. Like when I go to bed at 930 and I wake up without a hangover, I'm like, this is what normal people do. Like it's, it was so strange to me not to be like, constantly in a state of like anxiety and constantly looking for something to keep me busy and just having to sit in my feelings. But I did everything. I, I saw my therapist. I went on medications like antidepressants, you know, non-narcotic, of course. I went to meetings 90 and 90. I stayed close to my sober support network, got a fucking sponsor. I did everything they told me to do because I had no idea how to do anything. And I mean, it's been... It's been real, man. Like, when they say, like, you got to get all that shit out, like, I thought I was real fucking cool before I left. Like, So you're, you're at five months right now. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, we're good. So you're at five months right now. So you, you went in. What? No, you go. So you're almost at five months now. You went into treatment. How long was your treatment? 35 days. Okay. So you went into treatment with a boyfriend and you came out single. I came home, I came out, still in a relationship, and then I had to get out of it after I sat for a couple weeks and realized, like, I'm going to relapse, I'm going to be codependent again, and I'm going to not stay sober. So essentially, yes, I came out single. So you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're almost five minutes. Marty, zip it, Marty. Marty. <laughs> we got lots of cool people joining right now. John just came in. Martin just came in. 
Man, you guys got to go back and watch the beginning of this. It's fire. Uh, Haley's amazing. So you're at five months right now. You're saying you came out and interacting with normies was, was terrifying to you. I was in a treatment center for six months. I didn't come out, obviously, after six months. But at your point right now, I was still terrified interacting with normies. I was still going to – but I was in treatment still. So I was around guys that were, you know, doing the same thing. I was 24 locked in a fucking building with these guys. So when I would go to coffee shops, I would just be like, oh, my God, these people are so fucking normal. Look at them on their laptops and their lattes. And, <laughs> and I just was terrified to even interact. I'm like, just I was, you know, it was insecure. that It was me, you know, everything was a first for me. So let's talk about, like, these are all firsts for you. Yep. So you're still, you're still going through, like, the beginning. Yeah, I'm still going through it. It's a... Uh... I had to get a new job sober, like change all new environments. So, yes. Wow. So, what is the biggest change you've noticed from right now to five months ago? Besides you're not shoving alcohol down your throat all the time. Um, other than like everything, the biggest change I've noticed is just my ability to like emotionally regulate. Like I've always been a super aggressive personality. I've always been like a catastrophizer. I've always been very anxious. I've always just done the most like, you know, and I'm just so like, I can't change the outcome of what's going to happen. So I need to just accept it and let what happens happen. Like I just have this like peace about me, you know, I just have this like, Whatever goes down is going to go down, and I'm going to be fine no matter what. And I've also, um, like I was saying a little bit earlier, is like my ego. You know, I, I, I honestly thought that I was the coolest fucking person that you've ever met or that you wish you could have met. You know, like I thought I was the shit. And when you're sitting around doing this fucking work and you have to sit in all the nasty, ugly shit you did because of how insecure and fucked up you are on the inside. I mean, that brings you down like a shit ton of pegs. Like I'm just way more humble now. I don't have anything to prove. If someone don't fucking like me, it's whatever. Like I'm not going to overanalyze every interaction. I'm just like way more okay, you know, than, than I've ever been in my life. And it's strange. It's strange to be so okay. When you were at 30, months, 30 days or you were at 60 days or 90 days, you probably thought you had a pretty good grasp on things, right? You thought you were doing pretty good. Did you? I did. Did you? And then now you look back and aren't you in awe of how much you've grown since 30 days, how much you've grown since 60 days, how much of an improvement and it's just getting better and better? Doesn't that just blow your mind? It absolutely does. I think you said at one point, I think in our conversation, and I've heard, I think I saw you, or heard you say it with Dominique too. You were like, you know, this, the same question you asked me three months ago could be totally different because we're constantly learning. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing, you know, in this recovery process. And that's absolutely right. Like things that were significant or that I was feeling was the biggest change I noticed at 90 days is completely different than what it is today, you know? But in 90 days, I would have been like, oh, great. my skin's clearer, my hair looks good. Like, now I'm seeing, like, deeper stuff, you know? Make sure, make, uh, you're, you're fuzzy on my screen. Fix your camera a little bit. On my screen, I'm looking at you, it's a little fuzzy, so just go. But that's exciting. That's exciting because, you know, what? just the humility you have from knowing how much 
better and more amazing you are and how much you've learned and grown right now as opposed to simply 30, 60 days we go makes you so much success, so excited for another six months, 30 days, 60 days. God bless. You know, sobriety is never taken for granted, first of all. Right. So, you know, boom. But, um, all right. <clears throat> we are going to get into what I'm going to call the Be Real segment. Be real. Not Cypress Hill, but Be Real, be, be Honest. And my boy Billy over at Brainwash, I'm going to give him this little sponsored second. If you guys oh. like coffee, Brainwash Coffee, go check it out. Get um, 50% of the proceeds go to get that, get that bean cleaned. 50% of the proceeds go back to recovery. And I wouldn't be putting that on here if I didn't know for a fact that he did actually put his money where his mouth is, put the fucking payment, and do give back. I made him send me bank statements. I made him send me receipts. I made him send me proof that he's actually doing that shit. Because if you're going to talk it, you better be doing it. So, brainwash coffee. I got my, my grateful mug from Sober Gratitudes. But Jim's on day 14, no coffee right now. So, <laughs> so I'm actually not going to be drinking coffee. I'm drinking kombucha. I'm on a new kombucha kick. But, all right, we got some questions. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm always, I'm always ready. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. We can bring back one... One, celebrity or athlete, who would it be and why? From the dead? I would bring back Marvin Gaye, and I'd want him to sing to me on a keyboard, like in an empty arena like he did at that L.A. Lakers game back in the 70s. Like, I just want to be sitting wow. in this like in the bleachers and just a spotlight on him. And I want to be the only person in there. And I just want him to sing to me on the keyboard. And then he can go right after that. We don't need to talk. We don't need to do anything. I, that was my mentality in Vegas sometimes, but we don't need to get into that. What song would he sing you and sing a, sing a verse right now? Oh, I cannot sing it, but it's distant lovers. <laughs> it's like my favorite song <sighs> okay. of all time. Favorite, favorite all right. song. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Nah. Oh, but Alika's in here. You can't ask me that. Alika's in here. I yeah, that's why I asked you. You're the worst. No. <laughs> Josie, hi. George Jesus. Clooney or Denzel Washington? Who? George Clooney or Denzel Washington? Uh, Denzel, all day. All right. Should uh, people new to recovery date within the first year? Oh my god, absolutely fucking not. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely. My next question. <laughs> my next question. How many dating apps are you on right now? Zero. You fucking liar. I don't lie. So you must have deleted them then. I'm not. You must have deleted them. I am not currently. If you were on a, if you, <laughs> I'm not currently. If you were on a dating app and you saw. If you were on a dating app and you saw this mug come across, would you swipe right or swipe left? I would definitely swipe right. Fuck yeah. Woo! Did y'all hear that? That's what I'm talking about. I definitely swipe right. Randy says Denzel also. Okay. Um, my next one to ask you is one. If you guys are just showing up right now, one of my most exciting questions I was going to ask her, I already did it, is if you had a penis, what was the first thing you'd piss on? She's not going to answer. You have to come back and you have to listen to this again. All right. <laughs> This is going to determine whether we can be friends still or not. You ready? Oh, God. Yes. Can you name all four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Michelangelo, Leonardo. 
Leonardo, Michelangelo. Um, God, I have like all the action figures. Um, they're all like artists and guys from like Leonardo. Fire! No! Donatello and Raphael. Wrong, yes! Fire! Come on, Haley. I almost said Da Vinci. All right. right. J-Lo or Shakira? J-Lo. Wait, Shakira. What do you mean? You you can't change your minds. This is a rapid-fire question. Those hits don't lie. Are you always on time? Are you always on time or are you always running late? I'm always on time. Are you lying? No. Have you ever kissed a woman? What'd you say? Have you ever kissed a woman? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> You're a dating woman. No, but I'm open. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Oh. All right, so that was a real segment. You know, um, I'm going to do that with all my guests. I'm going to have some just different questions ready for everybody. Um, you know, on your... Uh, on your on your IG handles, um, you recover. You, you've chosen to recover out loud with your recovery. You've chosen to do that. You know, um, when people hate in in just in, in society and in the world in general, when they hate, they hate loud as fuck. People are loud about their hatred. They voice it. So I personally think it's so popular or so not popular, important to recover out loud because we are offsetting in the opposite of hate. Because people hate. Fucking boop, 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 in every aspect of life. So tell us why you, when you chose to recover out loud, why you choose to recover out loud. Speak on that. I chose to recover out loud because I'm a pretty transparent person as it is. And I'm not ashamed of who I am and what I've done and what I'm not happy with some decisions I've made. But I wanted to be held, you know, I, w- I wanted to be held accountable. I wanted people to see a face that they knew. I mean, I'm friends with everyone in high school on social media. You know, I I wanted people to be like, oh, shit, Haley from high school is a closet alcoholic and addict. Shit. Like, you know, and people have reached out to me. People have reached out to me. And, I, and you know, I said on my videos, I've been like, you know, if you ever need anything, reach out. And what you tell me stays with me. And people that I've been talking to in years have reached out to me to be like, where do I start? How do I know? And that's, to me, why I did this. Because I didn't know where to start either. And I don't care if people think I'm not. I don't fucking care what people think about me. Because I, I know who I am. And um, that's why I did it. Do you find people that have come to you and be like, oh my God, I'm in recovery too. And you had no idea that they were in recovery or sober. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Really? I mean, not instant bomb, but have you had the people and you're like, you are? Are you fucking, what? Yes. Uh, I was actually in a meeting the other day and I was sitting there the whole time and I looked down at the, like the little square from the speaker and I was like, Brandon? And I like messaged him in the Zoom chat. He was like, Haley? And we were like, look at fucking us. Like, so it is. It's a big deal. It's like awesome. And I'm just super proud of all of us. And I'm super proud of anyone who's got the awareness that's questioning the relationship with alcohol or substance abuse, because that is huge, too, and something to be celebrated, you know? When do you think your, active, your personal active addiction started? Oh, my God. I was an addict from five years old. I was, an, I was showing signs of, you know, the manipulation, the lying, the cheating, the stealing. I mean, I... 
if I didn't know when I was doing this kind of shit at five years old that I wasn't going to have problems later, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Because um, I've always had an addictive personality. I've always tried to manipulate and get my way. I've always just, uh, if I didn't like what, if I didn't like it, then uh, too fucking bad, you know? And um, when I noticed that my addiction was like really an addiction and a problem, wasn't until after I got, you know, into my 20s because when my addiction was so bad in the early years that I didn't fucking care what happened to me. Like, I didn't think I was an addict. I just knew I didn't fucking care. And I was going to do what I wanted to do. I didn't have a problem. I just didn't fuck with you. And if you didn't fuck with me, then there's not a problem, you know? And it wasn't until I got later and like when I had my son that I realized like, Oh my God, I, uh, I've always had a problem and it was bound to get to where it got to. Uh, and now is, now is that time it's gotten there because I've always, I've always been like, uh, an, in, an interesting individual that's lived, uh, interesting, I guess. What was your, what was your, Oh fuck moment. Oh God. Way too many to count, but the Oh fuck that sent me into, you know, treatment was, you know, when my dad was telling me that, like, he loses sleep at night and shit. Because I thought I was real fucking, like, slick. You know, I thought I was real, real good at what I did. And, uh, you know, I wasn't. Everyone was hella worried around me. And, um, you know, when he said that he's losing sleep at night and my boyfriend was saying that he couldn't, you know, protect me or watch over me because he didn't know I was fucked up because I functioned completely normally, um you know, that's when I realized that I had a serious problem. And then when I tried to stop on my own, I couldn't. I went through withdrawals. I had to go to the hospital. I was, like, hallucinating. It was really bad. Um, so that was the biggest, oh, fuck, when I realized that I physically was dependent and I could not stop on my own. Wow. What tools do you use now? Like, what tools do you use on a consistent basis? Tools for action recovery are essential. Fucking absolutely mandatory. Which tools do you use? Um, you find most routine. beneficial for you. Routine is is good for me. A routine um, because my personality needs predictability. I realized that when I didn't have things I could control, you know, I would do things to make myself have control, and they were always unhealthy. So a routine is good for me. Um, I need to have like my my alone time. I need to like meditate and reflect and um, journal. Um, I need to talk to my sponsor. I need to go to meetings because I need to stay connected in the fellowship and in the rooms. And um, I need to sit in my fucking feelings and just ride them out because I spent the better part of 20 years not feeling anything. And uh, now that I'm getting feelings again, um, it's really important and it's vital that I just acknowledge them and honor them and ride them the fuck out, you know? What was that one ugly cry? When you were in recovery and you're talking to your counselor, your, your, your counselor, your therapist, what was your ugliest cry about? Um, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. No, it's all right. It was, uh, it was talking about, like, my relationship with my son's father. Like, uh, just, like, my my world, like, shattering. And, you know, feeling like... 
I wasn't good enough and that that was the reason why I was in treatment because like I was hurt so badly from this person and like I couldn't believe after everything I went through like bringing my son into the world cancer that like he could he could he could just walk away and um I was crying so much and my therapist just looked back at me and I mean this was like a 15 minute spiel and I was having a real bad ugly cry and I was like not hyperventilating but I was really going through it and the only thing she said to me and it changed like it just blew my fucking mind she was like what makes you think any of what he did had anything to do with you and wasn't only about him and it just it like blew my whole mind I was like why haven't I ever thought about that like this none of that had anything to do with me that was you know uh that was because of him and it sounds so stupid but it really did just change I think about that all the time every time you know I, I get in my head about an interaction with something or someone I'm like that doesn't have anything to do with me like and it's just it's it's wild. I don't know, but that was, that was pretty bad. And then of course the shame and guilt you feel as a mom that you let yourself get, get into rehab, you know, like I've spent, definitely spent some cries over that shit, but, um, I'm definitely learning to forgive myself for that. You know, it's still a work in progress. Huge. One of my friends down here, amazing woman, Sophie, she wants to know, was your ex an addict? Um, Sophie, you're so pretty. I meant to tell you that one day when I saw you, uh, I Isn't don't she? know. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. I don't know. Uh, I I really don't know. I can't say what he is or what he isn't. Um, I I wish I could answer that more, but I have. You know, our our attorneys spent a lot of time drawing up, you know, motions and court orders saying that we wouldn't say anything disparaging about each other uh, publicly. So. I, I really don't know, and I'm not anyone to judge him for that. Uh, but, you know, maybe we can chat offline sometime. Respect that. Totally respect that. All right. So when you got, um, you know, we often trade addictions, um, you know, when we, when, when we become sober, whether it's coffee or the gym or whatever it is, you know, we have that addictive compulsive fucking personality. And I'll obsess. Like, if I go play golf tomorrow, I'm going to play golf 17 times in the next month. You know, if I go bowling, I'm going to go bowling. God, for, God forbid I get myself a pair of roller skates like the, the hot thing that's going on in Cali right now because I'll be roller skating my ass just all around downtown L.A. and I'll probably, you know, I already have, I already have chips on my teeth. I don't even need more chips on my teeth. So what do you think, like, what do you think you traded? What did you think you, uh, you, you have grasped on so much more now in, in recovery? Um... Oh my God. Ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, Netflix, and chill, though. Um, that shit is the bomb. Um, I've also. It's um, too expensive, though. I'm a, I'm a broke ass motherfucker. I can't afford Ben and Jerry's. It should be ever on sale at Ralph's. It's three for ten. It's Safeway, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> Did they say EBT? What'd you say? So they take EBT? I'm just oh my kidding. god, you're hilarious. Probably. I bet it's EBT approved. I don't know. I'll look into that and get back to you. Um I uh I have gotten into like yoga and meditating. I used to be super oh my god, my body was sick. I was a fucking smoke show when I was in yoga, but now like I'm trying to get back into it, like trying to get like, you know, discipline back into it. 
but it's hard because I'm not as flexible, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a little heavier in other places that I didn't used to be. And uh, yeah, that's like my new addiction is yoga and meditating because meditating gets me buzzing like I'm fucked up and I love it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I love meditation. It just, it leaves me in such a clear headspace. I love stretching. So like literally every time I feel like anxious or like I don't know what to do with myself, I'll get on the floor and I'll just bust out some moves, you know? So I definitely think that would be my new addiction. You're getting, you're getting blurry again. Fix your camera. I don't know what's going on, but There's you're getting blurry. I'm str- I'm clear. No, no, you see it. You see it. But I noticed that when I was doing a, a live with Dominique that when she played it back, I was really blurry. And so she never, now you're good. So now you're good. Whatever you did. Thank you. Um, areas of opportunity. Like, what do you, what, what do you, what do you, you still see as like an area of opportunity that, that, you know, you're five, you're almost five months sober. What is your like next focus? Like that you want to work on? Like, what is your biggest area of opportunity? Um, like for me, for instance, when I, you know, one thing that I, I really worked on, you know, I, in early recovery, I still compared myself to everybody. You know, I just, and it's such a fucking mind insecurity thing, but I was, comparing myself to everybody and thinking I need to be like this and need to be like that. No, motherfucker. You need to be fucking five months sober and tomorrow you need to be five months and one day sober and the day after that you need to be five months and two days sober and the worst worked itself out, you know? So me comparing myself to others was just, boom. You know, my for me, patience. Oh my God. I was the most impatient motherfucker and now I'm, I'm patient and it blows my mind. Like, that's God working me. Mm-hmm. That is Absolutely. God. Absolutely. I didn't give myself patience. That shit wasn't going to be possible. So, like, those were huge areas of opportunity in me early. And I have mine now, but what are yours? What, what, what are you working on? You know, my my biggest thing right now is forgiving myself and loving myself unconditionally. Because it is work every fucking day. It is work. I still wake up. Yeah, thank you. I still wake up every day and I ask myself if I really fucking deserve this. Like, do I deserve recovery? Like, am I worthy? I have to, like, retrain and reprogram all the negative self-talk, all the intrusive thoughts that tell me, because I know my fucking disease is in the parking lot just bench-pressing cars waiting for me to believe it one day and be like no you don't fucking deserve this you aren't shit come back to what will make you feel better and um i have to work every fucking day to tell myself that like i am worth this i am worth happy healthy love i have shit to offer and uh it is it's a I, 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 I had a therapist and I was so like, what the fuck are these stupid ass assignments she's giving me? She would always give me assignment that had to do with like, what could be the possibilities if you loved yourself unconditionally? And I was like, that's some fucking bullshit. And I know now because I won't stay sober. I won't stay clean. I won't stay in recovery if I don't feel like I deserve it. And, um, that's huge. And I, I, I do in this moment right now feel like I do, but there are days where I, you know, I, it, I question it and, um, I just have to retrain my, my thoughts, you know? You know, bad days are going to happen. Bad days happen regardless. Our tools don't always work. Bad days are going to happen. You mentioned earlier, sometimes you just feel it now. You're okay. You're okay. Just feeling it. That's so fucking key. You know, you know, your sponsor's not going to work. You're fucking going to the gym's not going to work. Meditation and yoga is not going to work. You know, your doubts are going to happen. Like you said, this is a fucking disease and this motherfucker wants to kill us every single day. Yeah. And so it's going to happen, but you can feel it and be okay with it now and sitting in it, in it you know, 
when I started loving myself for the first time in my life, whenever I say that, I still want to cry. Best fucking feeling in the world. Like right now, my life is 50 times better than I ever thought it could be even when I was drinking. When I was drinking and I thought I didn't have a problem and I envisioned what I think life should be like or how great life could be. And this is when I was in my addiction, even my early 20s when it wasn't blown out of control and I didn't think I had a problem. My life right now in sobriety blows away what I, pro- I thought I ever, ever could have had. Because back then I was still insecure. And when I was thinking of how good life could be, I was thinking mainly like materialistic objects, a job, a wife, a car, a fucking house. No, motherfucker. Loving myself is the best thing I ever could have fucking done. And I only have that because of God and recovery. And my life right now is better than it ever, ever, ever could have. I could imagine it being, even if I was a fucking normie, even if uh, in the early in, when I didn't think I had a problem. So, you know, the fact that you, you know, you, you love yourself, that is, I just want to fucking hug you and just sloppy kids. I'll hug you back. All right, we're going to wrap it up. This is getting kind of long, but sober first. What sober first are you nervous about? Like, you know, you know, we're in COVID. When COVID's over and you're out, you know, maybe going to a, you're in fucking Washington, D.C., maybe going to a, I almost said Redskins, but it's the Washington football team now or the Wizards game. Like, sporting events terrify me. Like, maybe softball. Like, what are you sober first that, that you're anxious about that make you nervous? Um, well, I'm sober about going to, like, a bar. Like, I imagine at some point, I don't need to be going anytime soon, but I'm, I'm nervous about going to any social gathering. Um, I'm nervous about, like, seeing, I mean, I'm nervous about getting in a relationship. You know, when I'm ready, if I am ever ready, you know, like sober sex, sober relationship, like I'm still getting to know myself. Like I'm like a fucking stranger in my own body, you know, like so that I think I don't know why, but that is uh, something I'm super nervous about. I don't see it happening anytime soon. But terrified like, me. What'd you say? Terrified me. My first three relapses were because of girls and sex. Yeah. And I don't want to go down that road like anytime soon but yeah i'm a i'm a little nervous about like if they're a normie if they're in recovery like how i'll be like what's Haley like in a relationship sober does she i i don't know it's just weird i i but yeah i think um i think like a bar you know and just having a a soda water and um a relationship not that i've had it but sober sex is the best the fucking best because you love yourself enough to actually like once you get your confidence back because let's just be honest we're fucking addicts half the reason like i don't even know the last time before i got sober that i had sex sober i don't even know if i can yeah. fucking remember that yeah. you know even if it was in the morning i'm still fucking drunk from the night before you know what yeah. i mean and a lot of you know my insecurities made me drink when i was going out and i was gonna go on a date or i thought it was gonna happen yeah fuck yeah i drank more and i did those couple extra shots of fireball or jack daniels fucking jameson right before we went back you know fuck yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. terrifying but part of loving yourself man it, it's it's amazing i'm sure we're gonna get lots of fucking comments about this so this should be fun um uh, all right uh i brought up a topic in in uh in the post playing to win versus playing not to lose what is that does that have any significance to you when you when i say that do you do you think anything okay so i was like this is hard jim why um I had to say, it didn't fucking mean anything. I was like, Jim's fucking dumb. They're the same things. Like, this is so fucking stupid. But they're not after. I think it's open, like, 
interpretation, no matter like which way you look at it. But to me, I had to say both things aloud a couple times. I was like, okay, playing to win or playing not to lose. And like, to put it very simply to me, playing to win was like my mindset when I went to rehab, when I was like, look, look, like, this is what I'm doing. I know I've done all this fucked up shit over the years, but hey, like, this is my certificate, but I'm crazy. I have a problem and I'm going to fucking treatment. Like, no, you don't have to forgive me and support me, but you should because, oh my God, look how bad I'm doing. And, um, playing not to lose when I say that, um, it like, it just translates to playing not to die to me. I mean, I don't, I don't really have any choice. It's either, you know, I, I don't need to win I don't need to get there quickly, but, um, I need to, uh, I need to take suggestions. I need to take my medications. I need to go to fucking meetings and meet my sponsor when I don't want to. I need to do my higher powers will, not mine. Um, I, I have to do all the things I'm given. I have to look at all the ugly shit I've done over the years and realize why, you know, um, I have to do all these things because if I don't, if I don't not thoroughly follow this path, I will, I will lose. I, I will lose. I will die. So, um, that's kind of where I, that is winning doesn't mean much, uh, you know, but playing not to lose to me just means making sure I play this so I don't die. If that makes sense. I love hearing people's, inter I love hearing, hearing people's interpretation of that. You know, I'm, a, I'm an athlete back in the day, and so it's when you bring it to the athletic aspect, it's it's fucking massive. First of all, it's a, for me, my opinion, it's a mindset. It's are you aggressive and going after it, or are you passive and like, okay, I just don't want to fuck up, just don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't lose. Like, you know, obviously, if you're if you're the favorite in a team sport or a sport, or whatever, and you're just like taking your, you know, oh, I just don't want to lose. You're not going to be aggressive, and you're not going to go as hard. And so in athletics is, is how I learned that when I, when I first realized when I was young and my coach was like, are you guys playing to win? Are you guys playing not to lose? Because it's different. There's a huge difference. It's a mindset. And in recovery, what I've taken on and the way I look at it now in, in addiction recovery, just throwing this out there. Like, are you, going, are you working a program? Are you doing the steps? Do you have a sponsor? Are you of service? Are you doing the shit you need to do? Are you journaling? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you meditating? Are you doing the things that the people that have what you want tell you to do? Are you doing that? Because if you are, you're playing to win. Or you just simply got five months that you haven't drank. You know, being a dry drunk is a real fucking thing. And if you're not connected, if you're not doing the shit, man, I was in my relapses, I was a total dry drunk. I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't, you know, connected i wasn't hanging out with people in recovery and sure as fucking shit you know dry junks are gonna fall off you know so you know to me in recovery if you're playing to win you're out doing the shit the people that have what you want or tell you to do and that you know you shouldn't do if you're playing not to lose you're just not drinking but you're not working a program and you've already lost in your head and in reality you just may not have actually lost on the scoreboard or you taken that drink yet so you know uh, dry club stuff like that, great. You know, if, if, if the more time you have not drinking, the better. I can't even talk. I don't have a fucking sponsor right now. I do everything else, but I don't have a sponsor. So I'm being a hypocrite. Boom with your uh. It terrifies me because I think I'm being a hypocrite that I, you know, I, I I don't have a sponsor right now. And so it worries me. Trust me, it worries me. Thanks, mom. 
But um, you know, that's that that's when I say that I like to hear what people have, you know their their um, representation of that or identification of that. Well, is. I was completely wrong, and I'm gonna fucking die. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? I was completely. I am, no, 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 no. That's your interpretation. You're right. You're, you're right. So you're good. Okay. Marty's here. A bunch of our friends are here. Is there anybody that you may have seen that you want to say hi to? We only have 20 people on here right now. We've had dozens and dozens of people come and go. Marty. Give us your, your, closing, your closing comment. Alexi. Uh, Randy. Sophie. Dad, uh, who else is on here? Mason. If Mason's still here, hi. Lee, uh, Aileen. Alika. Uh Oh my God, Jonesy! If Jonesy's still on, uh, I feel like I'm at the. All right, we're leaving with this. We love all you guys. You guys are here. You're awesome. If you missed the beginning, you have to go watch this thing once I post it. Fire, heat, hot, good. We're leaving with this one thing: legacy. You used to terrify me. Talking about a legacy used to terrify me. I used to not have one. I was the fucking worst. What do you want your legacy to be now? How have you changed your legacy? Tiffany! Tiffany! Um, All right, we'll shut up. My legacy is just um, enlightenment. You know, always remaining teachable, learnable, if that's a word. Um, Tolerant. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not so self-absorbed to think that I'm going to leave anything really significant behind in this vast, vast world. But um, the one thing I can do is just show people I love uh, how my higher power has me treat them and myself. And um, my legacy will be how I, you know, how I live my life with rigorous honesty, with grace, with tolerance and with... Um, with love, you know, and that's that's really all I'm going to leave behind. I love it. I love it. That's all I want, man. Thank you so much for your time. This is awesome. Thank you, Jim. I had such a good time. I fucking love you. <laughs> this is amazing. So, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this to my podcast. I wanted this on my podcast. It's going to go on my IG Live. If you guys want to check out my podcast, please do. It's going to be all stuff just like this. Uh, it's raw, real, and a lot of recovery. It's on Spotify. It's on Anchor. It's on uh, Apple. It's on all kinds of platforms. It's brand new. This would have been my second episode. I don't know if I'm going to be able to translate and transfer it over there. But if I can't, fuck it. We had a good time. We had a fucking bomb-ass time. Um, yeah. If you didn't know, if I'm the first one to tell you, uh, Haley wants to piss on you. If she ever had a penis, she would piss on you. Because <laughs> that's what she would do. She wants to pee on a human being. But that doesn't matter. Randy, you're amazing. Thank you guys so much. Haley. Love you. All right, talk soon. I feel like I should close you out and I should say bye now. I don't know how to do that, though, but... You You just hit the X. I don't know. X marks spot. You have have too many handles also. You need a new handle. But no, you close out and I want to say bye. Okay. Oh, bye. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Jim Hernandez here, addict and reco- alcoholic in recovery. Um, today, I'm 23 months sober, one month away from my two years. My life today is beyond my wildest dreams of what I thought I could ever be. I don't even care if we're talking about my life in recovery or my life when I was thought I was a normie and I was living the dream. I didn't imagine then that my life could be what it is right now. 
And that is an inside job. And I don't mean by my possessions, by what I have, by anything, but I mean by how I, who I, the fact that I love myself today, the fact that I'm comfortable enough to come in here and have a conversation, conversations would terrify me. I'd have to be drunk to do anything. If I was awake, I was drinking, my mind was obsessed with alcohol. It's not today. 